You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Anybody guess where we're going to study tonight? Did you look at your paper already? Ecclesiastes. Turn to Ecclesiastes. You say, Josh, you're... you're pastor's study is on Ecclesiastes. He asked me to teach last week, and when he asked me, I was tempted to tell him, just what's your next lesson? I'll just teach that. And uh, that, w- that would save me the, bi- the work of studying, you know, for, for a-, a lesson. And I thought, no, but I-, I do love, I've said before, I think Ecclesiastes is my favorite book in the Bible, at least, especially the Old Testament. Does anyone need a handout? I should ask that. pastor always asks that. Anyone need a handout? All right, I don't see any hands. One there, I should see that. All right. Um, Ecclesiastes is my favorite book. And um, so I thought maybe I can just teach a, a separate lesson on Ecclesiastes. And I thought, well, that's dangerous territory. I might take a pastor's lesson from next week and he'll have to study a new one or something like that, steal his thunder. Uh, but what I thought is Ecclesiastes is a, a, a book written by who? Solomon. Okay, we know that. Uh, Solomon also wrote many of the Proverbs. But when you look at Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, there are some similarities, but they're very different books. And it's a very different perspective. So I thought what we'd do tonight, part of my reason also, I should say this, part of my reason also to study Ecclesiastes is that I, I didn't want to change the artwork that we have all over the screens for midweek service. I thought if I do Ecclesiastes, I don't have to worry about that. It'll be relevant. And so that was honestly one of my thoughts. Um, so anyway, I thought let's compare... Proverbs with Ecclesiastes, uh, understanding that the same author, same human author, penned uh, much of both books, much of Proverbs and obviously Ecclesiastes. And so I thought this would be a good study for us to do. Let's ask the Lord's blessing and then we'll, we'll jump right into the comparison. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you for your word. And again, as I prayed earlier, thank you for your Holy Spirit who can teach us your word. As there uh, come things in scripture that we're kind of confused about, that we don't fully understand. Uh, Lord, we can pray and ask you, and you, you can teach it to us. Lord, I pray that you use my words, guide my thoughts and words. Lord, some things I've planned out what to say, but I pray that you would uh, add to that or subtract from it, however you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so go in, in Ecclesiastes. We'll get, uh, in just a minute, y'all, have you start in uh, chapter 9. Go to chapter 9. And, but I wanted to, just as an overview, compare Proverbs, we'll jump right into the notes here, Proverbs is, on your notes you have the left side Proverbs, the right side Ecclesiastes, and we'll just go from left to right and then down. Um, so on the left side, wisdom through, Proverbs is wisdom through observation, wisdom through observation, whereas Ecclesiastes is wisdom through reasoning. Wisdom through reasoning, and I'll, I'll say this probably several times tonight, Ecclesiastes takes the perspective of, well, what's, what's the phrase that we, what's one of the phrases we see most in the book of Ecclesiastes? Under the sun. Under the sun. Ecclesiastes takes the perspective of under the sun. So his view of wisdom is wisdom under the sun, or Human reasoning, human's perspective of, of wisdom. Um, and, and of course, there are some exceptions to that, but for the most part, he's looking at human reasoning and wisdom through that perspective, 
whereas Proverbs is just his observation of life and, and how life works, how things work in our world. Uh, Proverbs, next there, tells us how to live. How to live. Proverbs gives us guidance on how to live, whereas Ecclesiastes tells us what not to live for. That's the blank there. What not to live for. And as we've already begun our series of Ecclesiastes and studied several of the first chapters, we understand that uh, he goes in depth on what not to live for and and, uh, gives us some examples of that. Proverbs gives, gives guiding principles to life. Guiding principles to life. Whereas Ecclesiastes deals more in absolutes. Proverbs gives us guiding principles to life. Ecclesiastes deals in absolutes. Now, I want to make sure that I stress this. When we're talking about Proverbs, these are principles, not promises. Principles, not promises. Um, because in, in um, Proverbs, he gives us several cro- contrasting ideas with uh, nuanced ideas requiring application of wisdom. So for example, and I apologize, I, I forgot to add these uh, to my notes. Normally I like to put all the scripture that I'm going to read in my notes because I am terrible at finding um, passages in my Bible. I will never win a sword drill. Even if I can cheat and use my iPad or my phone, I still can't turn there quick enough and win a sword drill. And so I always put my notes, put my verses on paper. But I forgot to do these, but I do want to read these verses. So Proverbs 26, verse number 4, says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Verse 5, the very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own conceit. So Proverbs contradicts itself in the very next verse. He says, answer not a fool according to his folly. Answer a fool according to his folly. Well, it's a, it's a contrasting idea because there's nuance there. There's, he, he's giving us, he's implying that there's a time to answer a fool. There's a time not to answer a fool. There's a reason why you would not. There's a reason why you would. And that requires an application of wisdom in order to understand when to do what, right? When to apply that knowledge. Um, and there are other examples. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 was another one. Uh, Proverbs 9, verse number 8 says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Well, how do you know if it's a scorner or a wise man? Well, it requires some, some wisdom, some uh, understanding, some application of some wisdom. And then one more in chapter 19, verse number 25, says, Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware, and reprove one that hath understanding, and all will understand knowledge. So in one, uh, one example, he says, don't correct a scorner. And now he says, correct a scorner. Smite a scorner. Well, the reason you would correct a scorner is not for the scorner's benefit. According to this verse, the simple will beware. The ones that see it. I might correct a student in, in, in school 
even though, even though that student is not going to rece- receive the correction, but I'll correct them so that the simple that see it will understand, oh, those are consequences of that action. They'll learn from somebody else's mistakes. Does that make sense? And so all of that in Proverbs, there's a lot of that where you have to kind of apply wisdom to understand when and where to use the knowledge that you have. So Proverbs is guiding principles, and it's not promises because um, there, are, there are exceptions. I, I thought of this, this uh, application. Proverbs is more like grammar rules. I before E, what? Except, right? There's exceptions. And you have certain, uh, wor- certain special sounds that we learn in f- first and second, looking for Mrs. Jones, but sometimes they don't make that sound. And sometimes you have a letter in there that doesn't belong and it's just quiet, right? All of those rules in grammar that sometimes there's exceptions, that's Proverbs. Here's principles to life, how to live, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes there's something else, some other factor, some other reason, um, and we know that, right? Because even uh, Jesus' disciples asked him, who sinned, this, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because that would be a principle that they found in, in Proverbs of, oh, there, these are consequences for someone's sin. And Jesus said, well, he didn't sin nor his parents. This was that God might be glorified. So sometimes there are other reasons why things happen that go against what Proverbs lays out. And that's why we look at it as principles, not promises, right? So they do guide us in how to live, but they're not absolutes. Whereas in Ecclesiastes, the perspective from Solomon is, this is everything. This includes everything. What does he say? All is vanity. All is vanity. He says everything is pointless. When you get to the end of it, it's pointless. He's dealing with absolutes. He says, one thing happens to all of us. What's that one thing? We all die. He's dealing with absolutes. And he says, here's another one. He says, what is new under the sun? Nothing. Nothing's new under the sun. He's dealing in absolutes. These are not, uh, this is not grammar class. This is math class. There is one correct answer. And that is, it's all vanity. It's all pointless. It's a very uh, grim look. But again, his outlook is, under the sun. Um, let's go on to the next one. Proverbs, the reason for Proverbs in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse number 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, the purpose, verse number 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple. Uh, to the young man, knowledge and discretion, discernment. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation of the words of the wise, the dark sayings. It was given for instruction. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. In Ecclesiastes 1, he says, what's his purpose? The words of the what? Preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I just picture a street preacher here, some, some guy standing in the corner. Vanity of vanities, it's all pointless. Life without Christ is empty. You need Jesus. This is not instruction, this is a sermon. This is coming from the preacher. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? He's using extreme language on purpose to get across his point. 
It's, a pre- it's what a preacher would do. It's a sermon here. Um, then Proverbs is applying wisdom to life. Applying wisdom to life. So he's observing life. He says, this is how things work. Um, this is how you should live. He's applying that wisdom to life, whereas Ecclesiastes is searching for what? Searching for the meaning of life. Searching for the meaning of life. And it is a question that every single person, over and over in different periods of their life, will ask this question. Why am I here? What's the point? What's my purpose? Why should I go to work? What should I do with my life? Why? What's the reason for living? It's a question that we all ask, so it's a very important, that's why I love Ecclesiastes. It's a search for the meaning of life. Um, Proverbs is observing wisdom from God. Observing wisdom from God. This is uh, above the sun perspective. This is a perspective from God. How can I use the wisdom that God gives so that I can live my life the right way? Live a righteous life. Where Ecclesiastes is examining human wisdom without God. Examining human wisdom without God. And now we'll get into the scripture. So what I've done is you'll be in Ecclesiastes, any of the verses from here on out through Proverbs, I'll show on the screen. You can read along as I read them. And we'll read quite a lot of scripture tonight. Excuse me. We'll read quite a lot of scripture tonight. But anytime we're in Proverbs, we'll show that on the screen. Anytime we're in Ecclesiastes, uh, you'll turn to it and read with me in your Bible. So here, the first one here, Proverbs in chapter 3 is the benefits of of righteousness. We're looking at the benefits of righteousness in chapter 3. Verse number (coughs) 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Again, principles, not promises, but this is what happens. When you keep my commandments... Length of days, long life, peace, shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about, about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil." When you do that, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. How can you have a lot of, how can you have wealth? Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the firstfruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. So when correction comes, learn from that. Heed the the Lord's correction and chastening. Verse 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Here he's placing uh, 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 placing importance on getting wisdom and understanding. Get wisdom and knowledge. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes 
He, he tries that. He gets as much wisdom and knowledge as he can. He applies his heart, he applies his heart to no wisdom. Um, but here he says, happy is the man, findeth wisdom, getteth understanding. Uh, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. It's more valuable than wealth. And the gain thereof than fine gold. 15, she is more precious than rubies. And all uh, the things thou canst desire are not compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Um, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay uh, hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord, by wisdom, hath founded the earth, by understanding, hath established the heavens. By his knowledge and depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down with dew. The benefits of righteousness... Now, we look in Ecclesiastes. To look at uh, chapter 9, should be there already. In Ecclesiastes, we see life's uncertainty and God's sovereignty. So he just outlined the benefits that come from living righteously, from gaining wisdom, from uh, keeping commandments. And now in Ecclesiastes 9, verse number 11, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. Who should right, rightfully win a race? The fast, the ones that are fast, right? And the battle's not to the strong. Who should win the strong? Who, who should win the battle? The stronger one. Neither yet bread to the wise. The wise should receive bread. According, if we're looking at Proverbs, the wise ones should have what they need, yet not, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But what? Time and chance happen to them all. Sometimes they're just unlucky. That's what he's saying. And, and again, this is, this is wisdom under the sun. And that's why he's seeing this way. The ones that you would think should win, should have it together, should know it all, should have it figured out, they're, they're not winning. Uh, for, verse 12, for man also knoweth not his time. As the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in a snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. Chapter 3, verse number 11, He hath made everything beautiful in his time, also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Sometimes we don't know why God does what he does. Sometimes we don't know why God allows what he allows. Sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. The way he told us in Proverbs, that do this, live this way, and this will work out for you. Sometimes it doesn't. We don't have an explanation. But I, I read verse 11 on purpose of, of chapter 3. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Even though we don't know why, God does. Even though we're not in control of what happens, God is, right? And he says that even in Ecclesiastes, even when he's pointing out that life is uncertain. Life doesn't make sense sometimes. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to sometimes. God is still sovereign. He's still in control. Now we go back to Proverbs, and we look at the benefits of wisdom. In chapter 4, verse 5 through 9, get wisdom. Get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of thy mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. 
Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. I love this verse. I have it on a plaque in my office because principal is spelled. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor. When thou dost embrace her, she shall give to thine head an uh, ornament of grace, a crown of glory she shall deliver to, to thee. So again, in this comparison, we're kind of looking at Proverbs and seeing this is the way life is supposed to work when you do it God's way. And then we're looking at Ecclesiastes and looking the, the perspective under the sun, and he's pointing out that sometimes it doesn't work that way. Now, even though we're looking at Ecclesiastes and seeing that sometimes it doesn't work out that way, it doesn't mean it doesn't work, so don't try it, right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not throwing away Proverbs. It's just understanding that this is the way to live. This is the way that pleases God. But when you do it that way, you're not entitled to anything. Um, life still happens. And again, I, I already emphasized that God is sovereign. God is still in control. Verse, uh, so now we jump to Ecclesiastes. That was the benefits of wisdom. And then, in chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, go ahead and turn to chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, we see the emptiness of wisdom. I'll come back to that thought and kind of, we'll finish off on that. But here in Ecclesiastes, we see the emptiness of wisdom. So we saw the benefits in Proverbs. Now, in verse, in verse 12 of chapter 1, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, what? All is vanity and vexation of spirit. It's all emptiness and frustration. That's vanity and vexation. Emptiness and frustration. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. He, here, here's what he did. He made wisdom his life goal. He made knowledge and understanding his, his life's purpose. He said, I'm going to do everything I can to get wisdom and understanding. By the way, then he said, I'm going to do everything I can to get pleasure. He said, everything my eye saw, I got it. I took it. Everything I wanted to try and experience, I didn't say no to everything, to anything. I just, anything I wanted, I did. Um, to wealth. I wanted to get as much money as I could, and I did it. And at the end of each of those experiments, parts of, parts of those experiments, he came to this same conclusion that he did after wisdom. I communed with my heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, gotten more wisdom than all they that before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom, 
and to know madness and folly, I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that, hath, uh, he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Ultimately, he came to the realization that wisdom is not the answer. If I set that as my goal in life, learn as much as I can learn, he realized, well, no matter how much I learn, I'm not going to know everything. So it's frustrating. You set your goal on something that cannot be attained, you're going to be frustrated. And that's what he did. My goal was to get more wisdom. And that more wisdom, there's never an end to it. Because there's always more. So we saw the benefits of wisdom, then the emptiness of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 6, we see a warning against laziness. Uh, Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we'll get there in just a minute, but I'll read Proverbs 6, verse 6. Go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, when uh, wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and I want as an armored man. He's warning against laziness. He's motivating us to work hard. And in a passage we'll read later in Proverbs, he tells us how to work and how to work honestly. He says, work hard. Warning against laziness, giving the benefit of working hard and, and enjoying the fruit of your labor. Then we come to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and we see... The futility of materialism. Verse 17. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun. Why? Because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. In Proverbs he said, go to the ant thou sluggard. He said, don't be lazy. Work hard for what you, what you need. And then in Ecclesiastes, he's saying, I'm working hard and I'm realizing I'm going to leave it to somebody who's not working hard. (laughs) The fruit of my labor is going to go to the the sluggard. And who knoweth, verse 19, whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Who? The person who I'm leaving my goods to. Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. There's an emptiness realizing I'm going to work hard to provide for myself and my family and get all of this wealth, and then uh, it's going to end up going to somebody who didn't work for it, who doesn't deserve it. That's frustrating. Verse 20, therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrow and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. He's losing sleep over this idea that I'm working for all of this and I don't even get to keep it. It's going to go to somebody else who didn't work for it. So we see the Warning against laziness, and then the futility of materialism. So what's the answer? (laughs) 
I work hard for what I have, and then I realize I'm not even going to get to enjoy it. Somebody else is going to get it after I leave. Well, the point is, the answer's not in labor. The answer's not in wealth, in goods. Uh, Next, chapter 10 of Proverbs, we see the just rewards of the righteous. We see the rewards of righteousness, the just rewards of righteousness. Uh, chapter 10, and I, I skipped some verses, but we're going to look at several verses between 1 and 27 of chapter 10. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. So we see justice here. The righteous, God takes care of. He will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. But he casteth away the substance of the wicked. So we see the righteous are rewarded and the, the wicked are judged. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So someone is getting what they deserve, both for good and evil. Verse 5, he that gathereth in summer is a wise son, and he that uh, sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the just is blessed. The name of the wicked shall rot. By the way, in Ecclesiastes, he talks about being remembered and really pointing out that nobody is really remembered. You're remembered for a short time and then you're forgotten, whether you were good or bad. But here he's saying the memory of the just is blessed. The name of the wicked shall rot. Verse 11, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Verse 14, wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked to sin. Fear the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So here we see just rewards for the righteous. We see the righteous being rewarded for their good works, and at the same time, we see evil men being punished or receiving the recompense of their reward. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 16, my son, forget not my law. Nope, that's Proverbs, sorry. Here we are. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there. And the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. Place of judgment, wickedness, the place of righteousness, iniquity. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that man hath no uh, preeminence above beast for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are of the dust, all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Wherefore I perceive that there is, nof- uh, 
that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, tears of such that were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the one side, and on the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore, I praise the dead which are already dead more than the living which are yet alive. Yea, better is he than both they which hath not yet been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Again, I consider all travail and every right work that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Here we see injustice and delayed judgment. He points out In verse 17, well, first of all, verse 16, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. He's seeing injustice, and he's reminding himself that God is going to judge. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. He's Repeating what he said already in the past, there's a time for everything, and God is going to judge, but that judgment is not coming. He's seeing people that should be judged, and the righteous that should be rewarded, it's not happening like we just read in Proverbs. They're not getting what they deserve. And so we see the injustice and delayed judgment, and then chapter 7 and verse 15, all things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness. A just man, he doesn't deserve to perish, but he perished in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Here he's pointing out there's some injustices being done. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do wicked people get exalted? Why do they have success? That's not the way it should work. He's pointing out this injustice. Verse, uh, Proverbs. Lastly here, the last comparison we'll make, rewards of honest work. In chapter 28 of Proverbs, the rewards of honest work, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. To have respect of persons is not good, for for a piece of bread that man will transgress. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Hasteth to be rich, that's a a shortcut, get rich quick scheme, something that's kind of dishonest, that's not the right way to do it. Verse 23, he that rebuketh a man afterward shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith it is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely shall be delivered. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, 
the righteous increase. So here we see rewards of honest work. Being uh, honest, being straightforward, doing work the right way, not taking shortcuts, not uh, thieving, but doing things the right way. That, should, that will be rewarded. And those that do it the wrong way will be judged, will be punished. Then, chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes, we see the frustration of riches. The frustration of riches. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Like I was saying, when he sought to know wisdom, his goal in life was more wisdom. Here, his goal in life was more money. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. How much is enough? Because you realize when you get more things, what comes along with those more things? Verse 11. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? There comes a point where you have too much that you can even do anything with. You get more money, you're going to have to pay more for it. <laughs> My wife just before church told me about the mega, mega lotto winner that won two point some billion dollars. And within 30 days, he bought a $25 million mansion here in Hollywood somewhere. And she said, yeah, but he's going to have to spend so much money keeping up that property. The more things you have, the more time and money you have to spend on it. It doesn't actually bring satisfaction. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. Somebody who's a hard worker, who's just trying to make it by and is satisfied with their hard work, he's going to be able to sleep whether it's a little or a lot. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. The more you have... <laughs> I think, uh, I, I probably shouldn't quote this because I don't know where it came from, but mo money, mo, mo problems. Have uh, heard that one? The more money you have, the more problems that comes, come along with that. Uh, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail. And he begetteth a son, and there is... Nothing in his hand. Verse 15, as he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this is also a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that uh, hath labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness, Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him, for it is his portion. By the way, throughout this experiment, we see snippets of verses like this where Solomon steps back and says, even though I'm saying this is emptiness and vanity, as you're doing this, enjoy it because it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God to be able to work. It's a gift of God to be able to get wisdom and knowledge and understanding. 
And he says that here. Every man also, verse 19, every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. So we saw in Proverbs the rewards of honest work and here we see in Ecclesiastes the frustration of riches. So what's the whole point of it? Is he saying everything I said in Proverbs, it doesn't work? No, he's saying sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But here's the thing. In Proverbs, he's giving instruction. This is how to live the right way. And these are the blessings that come along with living the right way. It pleases God and God rewards that. And God judges the unrighteous. In Ecclesiastes, he's saying this is a life without God. So he tells us to get wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he said, my whole life's goal was wisdom, and it was empty. He tells us to work hard for what you have. In Ecclesiastes, all I'm doing is working hard to get what I can. In Proverbs, it's God's wisdom applied to life. In Ecclesiastes, it's taking that and abusing it for my own gain. One of the podcasts I listen to, it's called, um, I'm, not, I'm not recommending it, it's called The Happiness Lab. It is a study of happiness and how to be happy. And it boggles my mind because it's a secular podcast with so much truth. It's this psychologist that studies about things like you need to rest, you need to have quiet time, you need to have balance in life. And every, every, every episode I listen to, she's taking a biblical principle and applying it to life. Not, not every, there are some exceptions. And applying it to life, and what it, what, what it causes me to realize is that God's design and plan can be used by the ungodly. And it'll be successful. Ecclesiastes is taking God's plan in life and using it. And it works, but it's empty. I can use God's wisdom for wisdom's sake. And it'll work, and it'll get me what I want, but then I'm going to find out that what I wanted is emptiness. I can use... God's principles of working hard and receiving the the reward of that hard work, but if it's without God, then I'm going to realize, oh, I have all of this, but what's the point of it? I'm I'm still going to die, and it's going to be left to somebody who didn't work for it. I can, God, God allows us to have pleasure in life, to enjoy things, but if I live for pleasure... If that's my whole purpose and goal in life, then it's empty. So he finishes Ecclesiastes and ties the two books together beautifully, saying, use what I told you in Proverbs for God, not just under the sun. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. 
So in Ecclesiastes, he made wisdom his whole duty of life, his whole duty. That was his whole purpose in life, and it was empty. He made pleasure his whole duty in life, his whole goal. He made wealth his whole goal. He made prosperity, fame, whatever the world tries, and he found it was emptiness. You know what was not emptiness? Fear God and keep his commandments. Was he saying it was wrong to have wisdom or pleasure or wealth? No, because even throughout that he said, enjoy the fruit of your labor, it's the gift of God. He said, this is the pattern God gave us that I told you about in Proverbs. But it's not a goal unto itself. The goal is please God. Do it this way, but please God. Fear God and keep his, his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So, live righteously, get wisdom, work hard, but not as life's purpose. What is life's purpose? Fear God, keep his commandments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. Written down, recorded, and preserved.